Fly ball, left field, it's deep. And it is And welcome to episode nine of Broad Street to Britain, a UK Phillies podcast. Yes, we are back. Uh, it's been three long weeks. We've both been on our travels, but uh, we are back. And uh, since we've been gone, Ryan, it, it's gone a tad downhill. And I can't help but feeling that since we've been gone, the Phillies have also just been declining a bit. So I feel like we need to come back, Ryan. We need to come back with our positivity and get some wins back on the board for the Phillies. But, uh, well, mate, how are you? Oh, I'm really good. I'm getting used to life back in England now. It was a it was a good time away. Um, enjoyed it very much. But yeah, it's uh, the baseball's been interesting over the last week or so, hasn't it? Uh, it it has, Ryan. It has. It's it's uh it's been. Oh, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll we'll get to it. We've got uh we've got Alex Carr from the Good Fight coming to join us a little bit later as well, and uh, we'll 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 address it all. We'll address it all. But. Uh, how was your trip away, mate? You're in what San Diego, LA, uh, Disney, San Fran. How was your trip? How many games yeah. did you see? Yeah, I'm not sure that the LA Angels fans will be happy that you're calling them like the Disney Angels, essentially. But that is oh, basically no. <laughs> Anaheim is basically Disneyland and the Angels, and that that is <laughs> you're actually right. That that was actually great. We had a good time there. Um, but that was the the non Phillies experience. Um, and the Phillies weren't in San Fran when we were there as well. But, um, yeah, wow. At Dodger Stadium and um, Petco Park in San Diego, both brilliant experiences as a, a road fan. Um, reasonable weather, although I must admit it wasn't very warm. There was like this weird cloud hovering over both of those places at that time. And it was like a permanent, they call it June gloom, apparently, Dave. I didn't read about that in the travel agent's leaflets. And uh, you brought it back with you as well, because it's been nothing but June gloom here since I've been back from Philly. Rained every day. It's been cold. It's raining now. A big old torrential rainstorm as, as we speak. It's just miserable. It's just miserable, Ryan. Yeah, surprisingly, the Northwest isn't too bad, but this is not a weather po a podcast. I'm not going to bore the fans too much with that. The baseball, Dave, in L.A. was actually really competitive. and I, The Phillies got swept in L.A., but I only saw the last two games of that series. Um, and actually, both games, until the latter parts, were very close and very entertaining. Absolutely, um, they were, yeah. yeah. I, I've got to say... I, you know, I never got swept in LA, but I thought watching those games, we were toe to toe with the Dodgers all the way until it was just literally a couple of bad innings in in the series wrecked it for us. Apart from that, we were we were pretty even with the Dodgers. You know, we were we were fighting our own, we were holding our own. You know, like really and it was just it was just an inning in one one bad inning in one game and one disastrous inning in another. And that was it. It it, it all went it all the games there went wrong, and then we got swept, but. I, after that series, I wasn't too downbeat. There was a really, really big positive as well, because on the Sunday, Nick Pavetta pitched like a man oh, yeah. on an absolute mission. And, and really, ever since, has been pitching like a man on a mission. So if we're going to think positively about aspects of this team right up until today, that was the day that we saw that maybe Nick Pavetta is 
is turning a corner, has turned a corner, and has really been one of the steadier arms in that rotation ever since. Absolutely. I w- when I was there, I saw him pitch a complete game, and uh, that was one of the things I was not expecting to see when I was in Philly was a complete game from Nick Pavetta. But my word, his, uh, his curveball, his, his, his off-speed pitches were phenomenal. I was stood behind, sort of, you know, as you go to Sitzbank Park and you can stand behind home plate, sort of, in the concourse. I was stood there for a lot of it. Just watching him, and it was just one out, and I was getting shade because it was so hot that day. And his his off speed was unbelievable. Watching it up close, you know, just seeing it for real, it was like, yeah, this guy is. But this is what we hoped at the start of the season we were going to get out of Nick Pavetta, and it really was promising. It was it was a good performance from the Phillies uh, for the first two days I was there, and we nearly swept that one. It wasn't until the seventh inning it it started to go wrong, and that was all brought on by an, a rare error as it's been this season. Uh, the Reds capitalised on it back in the game, but we could have we could have easily swept that series. We could have got one out of the Dodgers. We could have got two out of the Braves. But um, you know, all these defeats are, are now starting to build up, and uh, and the fan base is is <laughs> is starting to get a little bit lively on Twitter. Yeah, and there's there's different ways of looking at this now. Um, Obviously, we all we all want the Phillies to be winning series, and we won a lot of series to start the year. So perhaps perhaps there's an element of we were spoiled because I, I mean, what did we win? Like eighty percent of the first like ten series, or you know, something ridiculous. Mm. I don't know. That isn't a specific stat, but it felt that way anyway. Um, and I, I'm not sort of making excuses for the team, but the bullpen has true. That's the one element. The bullpen has been ravished by injuries. I mean, just looking at the list now in front of me, that that are injured or are pretty much still injured right now. Sir Anthony, Robertson, Hunter, Morgan, Arano, Nishek might be coming back or is back, but is pretty much not that, out of the doghouse yeah, yet. Well, well, he he came back last night, pulled his hammy, and I think for your reports, he's going back on the IL. <laughs> there you go. So that's just, I mean, that's six guys. And right there, that's six Certainly Sir Anthony Robertson and Nishek and the way Morgan was pitching early in the season, him as well. That's that's not just four bullpen arms. That's like four back end of the bullpen arms. And, mm. you know, you can complain about the manager. You can complain about the offense. You can say we needed to get Dallas Keuchel. You, could, you can complain all you like. But I'll tell you now, any team in the majors struggles when four or five key bullpen arms get injured at the same time. That's a cluster injury and that's difficult to deal with. And then losing your leadoff man as well, McCutcheon. You know that has been a big loss because the lineup was so settled as well. And before the McCutcheon injury, literally we knew that what lineup was going to be the same every day. Now the injuries have crept in. Gabe has had to mix up the lineup. It looks really, um, it feels very unbalanced, very out of sync right now. And McCutcheon's injury has had a bigger impact than I think what people realise. Yeah, I mean, definitely. There aren't many leadoff men um, that are, are sort of good for 20-plus home run power and have a bit of speed on the bases and get on base in the way that he did. So he, he was an ideal leader for this team, um, you know, statistically and in the way that he sort of carries himself. That was it. That was a huge blow, and we saw that injury happen um, in the first game at Peckham. Oh, you were there? Um, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, it was awkward because... There was that weird play from Ian Kinsler where the smart little devil did that sort of like, okay, this isn't an infield fly, so I'm going to drop it and get you out. But Segura wasn't hustling down the first baseline. If Segura had been hustling, to be fair, 
then there's an argument that McCutcheon never gets. I'm not blaming Segura here. It's easy when you sat mm. up in the <laughs> sat up yeah, in the yeah. bleachers, kind of eating yeah. popcorn and whatnot. But the whole thing felt it wasn't good because we'd just been swept in LA and we'd lost that first game in San Diego and he got hurt and yeah it. It was starting to feel pretty gloomy right then, although they pulled out the series win in San Diego. They did. They did bounce back and then, and then won four on the bounce, in fact, because the, the two games, we sort of, sort of took over the mantle. You were there for LA and San Diego and then passed the baton on and I was out there in Philly for the, the, the Red Series, which, which was a, an absolute blast. And um, I'd like to take the opportunity to thank everybody who, who I met over that weekend. It was, it was fantastic to meet so many of you. Uh, it was literally a whirlwind Three three nights, um, but it was the best time. The weather was incredible. Um, the baseball was good for the best part of it, by the last couple of innings of game three. But uh, overall, the experience was was phenomenal. And I also thank Greg for setting me up with the NBC guys as well. And that was that was an unbelievable experience. I'm hoping, uh, speaking to a few contacts, that I've got some really good guests coming up for the podcast in the next uh, coming weeks. So. Uh, Stay tuned, guys, and hopefully I'll have some more information later on this week. But uh, as well as having uh, Alex on later, I'm hoping to have uh, a couple more really cool guests on later uh, in the next coming few weeks. But, uh, yeah, the Reds series, the baseball itself was was good. We won the first game 4-2. Um, all the games were low scoring. The pitching was really good. You know, I was really impressed. Zach Eflin, man, that, again, another another bright spot to this, this Phillies season. In fact, Ethel and Pavetta are, are definitely <laughs> the, the two pitchers who really are stepping up and, and surprising us this year. Uh, Eflin was was outstanding. You know, he really, really was. I think he's one of the best pitchers. He's probably the best pitcher Phillies have at the moment and one of the best on his day in the MLB at the moment. Uh, Neris looked good when he came in for the save. So, a little bit tense. A few runners on base. I was like, oh, no, not again. Last year I was there for the Mets game and... He blew a save there, and I thought, that, that was the last time he blew a save, in fact, was that Mets game. And I thought, oh, no, his first save since <laughs> since uh, since then will be when I'm there again. But thankfully, he held on. Uh, and, then, yeah, and then Arizona was a, was a, was a weird series. It was like, well, a great series win against the, the Reds coming into Arizona. Atlanta, we could have won two games. Just, just, it could be so different if we'd won that first game, couldn't it? Um, yeah, it, it's always disappointing when you lose against the uh, the divisional rival. Um, we're fortunate. We did sweep them earlier in the season to open the season, so I suppose our record against the Braves isn't a problem. It's just that you, you get into a bit of a rut. You get cluster injuries. You, you get other injuries. You know, lead-off guy's huge. It's not an excuse, but you know a team like the Braves that is as loaded as it is with as much pitching depth as they have and a lineup that they have, they're going to punish you, and they, they proved last year that they know how to win. They know how to win this division, and they're, they're defending their crown. They're, they're not going to take the foot off the gas. If the Phillies falter, they're going to take advantage. But, and they and they yeah. did, but we were, we were one out away, one out away, and Neris, who's been outstanding this season, and, you know, of all the games that he was, you know, the, the, the one game that he, he slipped up and blew the save, it had to be against the Braves, who, like you said, are loaded. They are stacked, you know, that offense is how I imagine ours to be when we are we are fully up and uh, and and running with our offense. It's just there's no easy outs in that in that offense at all, and it was an absolute gut wrenching defeat. Followed by the complete role reversal on a uh, on the Saturday night, the game after. What a what a comeback win that was! 
And then the Sunday, um, the, 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 the live uh, commentary me and Bob from the UK Braves did, oh, like, just couldn't get excited from the first pitch. Vince was just, you know that from three pitches or so, that this is just, there's something about the game feels like it's not going to go our way. That's how it felt. And um, I'm just, I'm shocked, Dave, that for some reason, it's, it seems to me, I think I said a while ago, that to me, I would have turned to Eniel de Los Santos to start a long time ago. Um, I, I did, and I thought they were going to turn to Irving. They did briefly. I did suggest on this very podcast that Irving gives up way too much hard he contact. Did. Yeah, he did. He, he's got good control, and that's all well and good when you're facing minor league hitters. But when you get to the major leagues, you give up that much contact. Eventually, it's going to be loud, and it was even loud out the bullpen last night. So, I'm not, you know, the, I'm not saying the kid's a total um, waste in that bullpen. He, you know, he's a lefty. He's contributing. He's not the answer. It doesn't seem to be the answer. When is Santos going to get this opportunity? It's odd to me that a guy who's pitching so well at AAA mm. and is on the up and up and wants to be a starter. I don't understand why Kapler went with the opener in Vince, really. Vince actually seems to be carving out some sort of niche back end of the bullpen role. And it, it seems clear to everyone that that's going to be Vince's... Um, you know, role, and that should be Vince's role. And I, I think that he can offer us one or two innings here and there, even in high leverage situations. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, get him suited to that. Don't, me- don't meddle with his role right now, especially when you have Santos ready to go, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's frustrating, yeah. I absolutely agree with you. Vince is a back-end bullpen player. You know, why, why get him out for an opener? Uh, and it, it really didn't work, did it? It really didn't work at all. Um, do you think we've seen the last of Cole Irvin for a while in the majors? Um, he, he's really now starting to get beat up. Yeah, I mean, obviously we do need we need lefties in the bullpen. Um, Alvarez is there. It's a shame that Morgan's hurt, but they, they've gone to Ranger Suarez as well, haven't they? As some sort of long relief option. Mm. So I don't, I don't really see Suarez and Irving surviving on that roster. Um, one of them's probably ready to go. And my personal opinion is the Phillies need a starter for Saturday. Surely, I don't know how this lines up with the minor league uh, schedule. So that's something that maybe Alex can tell us. But surely now is the time for Santos to get his opportunity. And I think this guy who has so far this season pitched 35 innings in the minors with a 1.15 whip and 11.1k per nine. Man. He is ready and he's young and that's who I, that's who I want to see in the rotation. So I'm going to stake that claim and say that's the way that I want this to go. Well, we've got question marks over Saturday and Sunday, haven't we? We've got Nola going on Chase Hutley night on uh, Friday, tomorrow night. And then we've got uh, two question marks because against Feddy, I think it's Feddy he's up against. Yeah, it is. Uh, who's 3.68 ERA, one and one. So, slightly small sample size from him at the moment. Pavetta's ERA is crashing down. Uh, and he's a four and one. So, that could be a decent matchup. So, we could get if the offense finally get going again, which they're due to, they're going to bounce back. We could get something out of that, which will be damage limitation if we can get a win out of tonight. Uh, especially going into some big series with the Mar- two against the Marlins and one against the Mets next week. If we're going to bounce back and we want a chance to bounce back, this next week is it, isn't it? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you want to try and win those series and get back on track, obviously. Um, they, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Like you say, there's question marks over Saturday and Sunday now. Um, it, one of them could be Santos if it lines up. What's he going to do with the other? And if he does go with an owner, which he may, you know, when I was in LA, he went with a Jose Alvarez as the opener in one of those games. And that, that, that actually worked okay that day. We, he did quite well, but it just seems odd to me that I don't know, when you're trying to carve out that role for Velasquez, I really, it must be confusing for Vince. You're a starter, you're not a starter. You're a back-end bullpen arm, well, you're not. You're, I, a, you're a starter agree, yeah. for an inning or two, now you're not. Maybe Vince is getting frustrated himself because he's been messed around with quite a bit, I think. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I Going back to that, good point with Alvarez. Alvarez has settled a lot more than he started the season. And I thought, like you said, in the opener he, he was used in that one. He actually looked, he looked all right. I thought he looked decent. In fact, he didn't we win that game that we used the opener for? That you were there for? Uh, no, they, they wound up losing that one. As that was the second one in LA. But um, they oh, did all right. Listen, yeah. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that Jose Alvarez is the, the answer to our opener woes. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is it seems odd that he used him as an opener. And then he's changed it and gone to Vince. So, I mean, who's going to be the opener this weekend? I have no clue. It could be Ranger Suarez. It could be Juan Nicasio. I mean, it literally, it could be anyone, judging by what we've seen so far. So, yeah, yeah it's, all, it's all up in the air. And it, it doesn't, doesn't seem to be much stability at the minute. I think that's the word that I'm looking for. It seems a bit ad hoc. Yeah, the, the, the line, there's no, I know injuries haven't helped with JT, Jay Bruce as well. But yeah, the, the, the bullpen stability is not there. The lineup stability in the offense is not there. And it does have an effect where we're clearly seeing it. And sadly, for us, it's come against two teams that are on hot form. The Braves' run is incredible. They're still continuing to, to, to beat the Mets at the moment. They're, they're pulling away. They're on a hot streak. The Nationals coming into this series were hot. I was a bit frustrated with the game against Corbin because Corbin's been on a bit of a downward spiral of late. And I thought yesterday he didn't look that good. A lot of pitches were missing the zone and missing the zone by a long way. We were just swinging and missing horribly at him. And I just felt that if we'd had a bit more, a bit more patience at the plate, we, we would have walked a lot more. And I think, I think punished um, Corbin quite a bit. But who, who's that on? Is that on the, the coaches? Is that on Kapler for giving the green light? Is that in the player's head? Who's, what's that down to? Well, there was a very, I watched that game myself and it felt to me like we lost it the minute that Bryce Harper tried to go from second to third for absolutely no reason and made the first out of the inning yeah. at third base. Yeah, that, that it, it showed a, as well, wasn't it? That was hard. Yeah, that, that's not Kapler. Kapler didn't have time or the inclination to tell him to do that. And really, Kapler's philosophy would tell him definitely not to do that because he made the first out at third base. We'd have had first and second. And as it happens, the next guy up singled and the game would have been we, tied right yeah, there. Yeah, we would have so scored the run, yeah. The inning ended, we didn't score any runs and Washington went straight back and got a run in the next half with a home run from, I think it was um, Brian Dozier. So that felt to me, oh, game dead straight away. That's a mental error. Now, I'm not having a go at Bryce. And it, sometimes when you go on bad run, people want to point the finger at everyone and... Bryce has been paid a lot of money, but over the last 30 days, he's actually, has he performed at a superstar level? No, but he's performing pretty reasonably and, you know, he's doing okay. Um, so, but on that day, 
I think that loss, it kind of felt like that loss came as soon as that mental error happened. And he tried to go to third and he got the out. I thought, we're not winning this game. It just yeah, felt yeah. to me like that game was to over be, right there. To, to, be, to be fair, Para's throw from the outfield was bang on. Like, like it, it, I mean, it stat cast it as his, he was above average in, in every category to get Harper out. So it, it, it's two ways. If Harper had made that, he would have been nailed. Oh, brilliant, Bryce. You know, great judgment, making things happen. He's got on third base. He's safe. He and go comes in to, and scores a run. But it, that's the way baseball goes, isn't it? Split, I, I understand what you're saying there, Dave. But from, from a statistical standpoint, and I'm sure that Gabe would probably agree with this, I don't have all the figures in front of me. With no outs, if you're on second base, a single scores you. You, you, you score. Yeah. You've now got three opportunities. You've got three outs. Three batsmen come in to single you in, and that's a run. There is no reason that. I mean, okay, if he gets to third, you can score him on a sack fly, fine, or or a ground out to third baseman or whatever, fine. But the the increase in the probability of scoring then with one out and you on third, uh, sorry, with one out and only a man on first, the risk is too high. There's it was a silly baseball decision and it, it didn't make sense. So, you know, sometimes wanting things to ha- make things happen, great instinct. I understand he's trying to, to give us a lift, but in doing so, he actually got a bit hot-headed and made what was basically a rookie a rookie error. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a rookie error. Uh, a costly one. But, you know, the... the, the... I applaud him for trying to make things happen because yeah, Segura's struggling. I I hope in these next few series against the Marlins and the Mets that it's a time for him to to break out of this because he's back at home. Uh, I I think keep him in lead off, keep, keep giving him the at bats uh, for this next week. Um, but if it's not working, then start to adjust it. Uh, JT, he's just come back from injury. Hopefully he'll find his rhythm tonight. Although he got a single last night, didn't he, JT? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, when when I'm looking at the lineup over the last sort of thirty days, the the really cold bats are Segura, Hernandez, and actually Michael Franco. Franco is still really. Re- I well, mean, he is ice cold. He, he Michael like... Franco's get it, it, Brad Miller and Sean Rodriguez are ahead of of Michael Franco. <laughs> you know, who would have thought that after the after April? You know, the March and April that man had to now being. Well, missing an action where, where you know he's not even getting into pinch hitting situations. You know, Miller's and Rodriguez are ahead of him. Kingry's ahead of him. What, what's the future for Michael Franco right now? Um, I'm not not entirely sure that there is one, Dave. Apart from a bench bat, maybe um, he's even got I, no trade value now. Like, who's going to take him on? He's, he's gone as a trade chip. No, he's um. Yeah, I say there's cold and then there's freezing cold and then there's, you know, where are you, like Jupiter or something. I mean, like, <laughs> he, he, and I don't mean to be awful, but he, he's proven that he, he, he's not a reliable everyday option. And so he's going to be a bench bat. But the, the interesting thing is there are some pretty hot bats. I mean, obviously, everyone knows that Kingery's on a, on a bit of a tear at the moment. Yeah, um, I love him now. Power's there. Um you know, I'll caveat it with just saying that the walk to K rate is still very high. It's in line with last season. So I'm not sure he can keep this up at this level, but anything close to this is fantastic, obviously. 
Um, but Hoskins is, you know, over the last 30 days, Hoskins is, he only has four homers, but his OPS is over 920. He's he's doing okay. Jay Bruce has had a great start. Real Muto's doing fine. Harper's doing fine. So there's just two or three positions in the lineup that have stopped contributing. Um, I've got to 13. say, the, the lack of power in the team is, is a bit of a surprise, considering, you know, before the season started, we looked at his roster and think, there's, there's power, there's on base there, but the home runs haven't come. Uh, I just, oh, I've lost this stat. One of the few stats I have about the power, but it wasn't, it wasn't a good one. But, you know, yeah, it is, it is a surprise, isn't it? You know, Hoskins, Harper are, are under what you'd hope for the home runs so far. Uh, in fact, JT's probably the one that's really on pace with his home runs. Cesar, maybe a li- little bit below as well, what, what you'd hope for. Kingry, obviously above. He's obviously already broken his season tally for last season, but the lack of power is a little bit worrying. Uh, yeah, to a degree. I mean, obviously, Hoskins has 15 home runs and we're not even halfway through the season. So I would say that's, that's pretty, pretty much banged on pace. That's, you know, that's 35 home run pace. So Hoskins is doing fine. Um, as you mentioned, Real Muto's doing fine. Harper, you would expect to have a bit more, but I think we're going to see a hot streak at some point. So I'm not overly concerned about Harper. Um, losing McCutcheon, huge blow. Ten dingers on the season he had in 200 at-bats. You know, that that is a blow. It's nice to see Kingery contributing. Hopefully he can keep it up. But, yeah, I think because Segura and Cesar were at the top of the lineup at the start of the month, and those two are cold right now, is you can carry them if they're batting eighth, and I know they've Cesar's gone lower in the lineup recently, but after the McCutcheon injury, both of those guys were hitting pretty sort of high up in the lineup. Um, yeah, yeah. If no, you know, if no one's on base for your big sluggers, then you've got a problem. That's true. I got the uh, it's Kevin Cooney who tweeted this out this morning. Uh, updated offense ranks: average point two four three, twenty second in MLB, OPS seven three four nineteenth, slugging. 414 20th and MLB home runs 86 24th and MLB runs 348 16th and MLB. Yikes! <laughs> it's pretty damning, isn't it? Yeah, when when you say it like that, it doesn't sound good, especially, especially <laughs> considering that Citizens Bank Park is a pretty much a small ballpark and yeah, yeah. home run friendly. So, yeah, the points taken, the offense does need to step it up a bit, doesn't it? It has to. A couple. Right, let's uh, let's get Alex Carr on. So, guys, bear with us. We're going to move to the next stage, and we're going to get Alex on. All right. So, me and Ryan are, are half glass full, guys. We're half glass full about the Phillies whenever we can. But whenever I have a little, and I'm going to admit this week has tested me, I turn to one guy, and that is the guy we've got on right now. It's Alex Carr, the writer for the Good Fight. It's Alex, it's fantastic to have you on. How are you, buddy? Dave, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. No worries. And, uh, and Alex, where can we find you on Twitter? You, you can find me on Twitter at AlexCarMLB or just find my stuff on The Good Fight whenever it pops up. <laughs> uh, highly recommended, guys. Highly, highly recommended. It's, uh, Alex is one of those positive people. You know, he's kept me going the last couple of days. He's picked me up. I read his tweets. I'm like, yes, he's right. Come on. <laughs> And then the Phillies put in the performance. I'm like, Alex, come on, quick, tweet something. I need something. <laughs> uh, 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 right. For me, Justin Clue, 
uh, summed up perfectly uh, in his latest article in The Good Fight. Um, he put, uh, he's saying, but I guess my personal frustrations here lie in the fact that I never thought this team would remind me so much of the 2018 version so early and for so long. And like, yeah, you know, for me, that that's sort of it too. It's the frustration of it all. We can't help the injuries. That that's been really unfortunate. But Alex, for you so far this season, what sum up your feelings about the Phillies so far? So John Stolnes actually asked a really a really good question in our in our Slack chat, which is kind of like our good fight work chat. And he asked, is it that we're underperforming or that we overestimated what this team could be? Yeah, and and to to me, I I have to say it it has to be the former. We are underperforming to a degree that is so frustrating. I mean, there's no better word for it. It's very frustrating to watch, you know, some guys that we put so much faith into, like Bryce. Like, I mean, Kutch obviously can't help tearing his ACL, but you know, all, all of these guys that you know we invested so much time and so much faith in now are kind of not exactly putting out what we expected them to. And, you know, with high expectations, there comes a varying degree of result, And you, you really can't always predict what is going to happen. But I don't think anybody, everybody was so optimistic to the point where at the slightest sense of struggle, now everyone's getting a little disappointed. So for me, I like to think I'm very positive, like you said, but I'm also, I'm, I'm relatively realistic. Mm. And, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say, you know, these guys are performing at top-notch quality and for whatever reason we're struggling. I mean, it's obvious, you know, Gene Segura is in the midst of a horrible slump. Cesar Hernandez, as hot as he was in July, or in July, as hot as he was in May, we haven't gotten it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. As, hot as, as hot as he was in May is just ice cold in June. And I mean, Bryce kind of has been struggling for a while, but is getting really important hits here and there. But mm. And his hustle is getting him into some trouble, whatever. Like, obviously, we're seeing... And Aaron Nola, don't even get me started, but... Uh, we're, we're seeing guys who, who we, you know, we were so lucky in the first half of 2018 that now that, you know, we're seeing a little bit of struggle, it's starting to feel like that second half of, of 2018 where, you know, we can't catch a break. Yeah, we, so, really, we really can't. And you're right, I think... Like that Braves game, that first game, we were so close. I just feel it would have been so different if if we had saved that and then won again the next day, and the momentum would have taken us through. I don't think so. I think Sunday would have happened wherever, wherever yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it, it, like you say, it, it's a small bad breaks like we had on that game one against the Braves, like we had against the Dodgers. Like I was saying to Ryan earlier on, we were toe to toe with the Dodgers for so long in that series it was just a couple of bad innings some bad breaks and we're just not getting the rubber the green at the moment uh and i think sometimes you've got to step back and, and look at it like that because that that is now it's all escalating the offense has now hit a bad patch uh and then of course twitter goes crazy yeah. like it, <laughs> like like it has done but do you think mccutcheon's not only on field we're missing him but do you think that dugout presence that he brings that we're also missing as well Absolutely. I mean, Kutch is the greatest, as good a guy as you're going to find in the game, if not the greatest guy in the game. I mean, mm. there's nobody with a better social media presence. There's nobody who puts up jokes more. There's no, you know, even now with a torn ACL, he's live, he's live tweeting the games. He's cracking yeah. jokes. He's, you know, he's just a great guy. 
And of course, we're missing that dugout presence. But at the same time, I think what it's really missing is, and this is by no fault of Gabe Kapler and no fault of, you know, anybody in the dugout. It's just missing somebody that's going to grab them by the shoulders and wake them up. Because right now, this team is capable of so much. And I feel like once they're down, they're really down. Like nobody, nobody is there to slap them in the face and just say, hey, wake up. We have games to win. We're so in this that, you know, dropping a game here or there isn't going to matter down the stretch. I mean, we're facing down a Braves team that is so incredibly hot right now, but is so incredibly lucky in that same vein. Mm. I mean, they've had, first of all, they've had a much easier schedule than we have. Um, And you can, you know, just look at, compare the two schedules and you'll, you'll see that. But second of all, you know, people are pointing to Mike Soroka, who has a, a twos ERA. I mean, I keep saying this on Twitter. He, he really has yet to face a true challenge of an offense. And when he does, it's been the Pirates or the Mets. And they, yeah. they've shelled his last two games. And that's, you know, that's just been the outcome. Or you look at Austin Riley, who's K to BB ratio. And for those who don't know what that means, his strikeout to walk ratio is absurd. It's like 45 to 5, I think. Which is that's wow. he's not success is not sustainable. It's like when Reese Hoskins burst out once the league figured like figured him out. That, that was it. He slumped hard. So what what we're facing down right now is a team of Braves that are incredibly hot, incredibly lucky, and we're not that. And it's a a four game difference that can be made up in the span of a week. Well, it, it, it could it, with the Marlins, the Mets, and the Marlins again coming up. I was saying to Riley on this this next week. It's the perfect opportunity for us to bounce back, isn't it? Right, and we only fell behind in the last two weeks. Look what happened in two weeks. Why can't yeah. that? Why can't we make that up in a week? That's that's why I don't see myself as like you know I don't find it that hard to be so positive because Alex, it's so you know, responsible. Yeah. Sorry, Alex. The, the, no, what is interesting to me there is that actually when I look at this rotation right now, and I know we're waiting on some options over the weekend, but. I know that Nola and Arietta haven't been as good as perhaps we would have hoped, but they're not going anywhere. They're in this rotation, and at oh, least yeah. we can say that they are guys that are going to be there. And Ethlin and Pavetta are performing actually very well over the last month and are also pretty solidified. So that's four of the five rotation spots, pretty solidified, pretty, pretty good. Um, it feels to me like the offense has been the bigger disappointment i mean the bullpen is a different issue and has had injuries but but would you sort of agree with me now that we're at this point where okay scott kingery's red hot although you just mentioned austin riley's k to walk rate i don't know if you've seen scott kingery's it's even worse um um would you agree that it's the offense actually that while that's the part of this team that perhaps we were all most excited about that's been the bigger disappointment i would Definitely agree that in varying degree of disappointment, it definitely is the one that is hitting us hardest. Uh, we knew that the rotation wasn't anything super special uh, coming into it, so we didn't exactly expect them to be superstars. Although, you know, Zach Eflin has been huge, and he's oh, yeah. really showing he's showing his first round pedigree, and he's you know all the things that we've been waiting for a, from a healthy Zach Eflin are showing up, and that's amazing to see. Uh, same with Nick Pavetta over the last you know few weeks we've seen that breakout Pavetta that we wanted to see so that is starting to become a bit of a bright spot um, especially with how you know unlucky we've become with you know how Velasquez and Eikhoff and Irvin kind of panned out you know that depth that we thought we had hasn't exactly shown its face so 
either way, yes, the offense is totally, you know, right now the main focus of what is going wrong. But at the same time, that's where the luck comes into it. You know, we can't we can't get two guys hot at the same time. And that's by yeah. no fault. That's by no fault of the offense or of, you know, Matt Klintak's roster provision or, you know, Gabe mm-hmm. Kapler's management. That's that's of nobody's fault. That's just luck. You know, if we can get Bryce and Reese synced up at the same time and Scott keeps producing. Oh, can you imagine? And JT Real Muto does in Citizens Bank Park what he is projected <laughs> to do. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Whoa, whoa. No, wait, you you just said that Austin Riley's bound to become much worse. Okay. because of So don't tell me that Scott Kingery is a definite <laughs> to stay hot because you know he isn't. So I will say, I will say, not this hot, definitely not. But <laughs> what Scott Kingery has that Austin Riley does not have is pure contact ability. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm not expecting Scott Kingery to be a guy that's going to punch through, you know, 20 home runs in a season consistently every season. But what I am expecting is a guy that hits for contact, moves runners, you know, gets the ball into the gap. That's what he's always been. He, he has quick hands. He has quick feet. And he is now bulked up to the point where his stuff doesn't just squeak out of the infield, but it flies. Mm. So we're looking at a guy that, you know, that is progression that is sustainable. We've seen this from him before. Austin Riley, before this year, was nearly considered a flop. That guy struck out at a rate that was totally, you know, unacceptable. Like, and he's, like Kingry last year. Right. And he's and he's still doing that. While Scott Kingry has shown in the past that, well, yes, maybe he does strike out often. It's not to the point where it diminishes his contact ability. Um, and you could say that because he swings so much is why his contact ability is so good. Whereas Austin Riley... When he makes contact with the ball, he hits it far. He's see ball, hit ball, hit ball far, but he's not see ball, hit ball, hit ball for average. Yeah, yeah. we like yeah. we we like Braves hate on this podcast, so we, hey. we don't we don't mind a little bit of that. You're slightly right, different, <laughs> slightly different question for you. Um, what does this front office have against Eniel de los Santos, and when is he going to get a crack in this rotation? So I've been talking to Matt Winkleman about this a lot. Matt Winkleman, if you don't already know. He is the guy for Philly's prospects. If you don't yeah. follow him, go look him up on Twitter. He is the man. Uh, and he's always right. So <laughs> that's <laughs> more point. than I can say for me. But <laughs> uh, I shout him out on pretty much every podcast I go on because I always reference him because he's so good at this. Um, but for me, my personal opinion is going to be, and we'll see what happens when they have to name starters in a couple of days because that's going to be a journey. But um, <laughs> I think, I think, they are seeing what pretty much every scout in baseball is seeing about Enyel is that he doesn't project for a starting position. Uh, he pitches from a really unhealthy arm slot. He has a two-pitch mix, really. Uh, sometimes throws a third in there, but, you know, that fastball-slider combo, it's it's a relief makeup. It really is. And his stuff, his stuff is great, you know, and he can get through the innings in AAA, but eventually it's hard to say. I mean, he keeps giving up consecutive long balls even in the minors he just keeps doing it and you know that's because he gets fatigued and he starts making mistakes so i think they're wary of either a lowering his trade value or b what might happen with the nerves and the you know the fatigue and and facing a major league offense and while he's going to be facing right he'd face the marlins if he's going to get called up i think because it's nola pavetta 
blank. So blank, blank. or no, Favetta's today. So it's Nola. Favetta today, yeah. Favetta, Nola, then blank, blank. Yeah. It's, it's, so we'll see. But yeah. <laughs> honestly, I, he does have a good shot at getting the call in the next few days, just because he's on the forty man already, and he can throw the innings, and it's against the Marlins. But I don't know. It's it's. I think they're trying to, as well as with Adonis Medina, they're trying to keep them primed for a trade. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's my feeling on it. I don't know how you know everybody else feels about it, but that's my personal opinion. A trade that could be happening in the next next few couple of weeks. Now we're getting towards that sort of uh, that sort of headline that's sort of approaching. It, what would you do, Alex? Like, what is the picture out there that you would... Because I think it's, we all know now it's going to be a picture. It's going to be a starter they're going to go for. It's yes. looking more and more likely. Throw it out there, Alex. What sort of package would you do for who? So, for me, I'm not necessarily looking at one of those top guys. Um, mm -hmm. Mike Miner is having a breakout year. That's great for him. He's 30 years old. He's being paid $9.5 next year. He's going to be expensive. Madison yeah. Bumgarner is wasted. I'm not about that guy anymore. Haven't been for a long time. Um, for me, first of all, I would like to grab two starters, and I think we should try to run a six-man rotation. Um, I know that's kind of out there, but I think Aaron Nola could use a break, uh, and Jake Arrieta, as he proved yesterday, pitches really well on extended rest. Mm. So I think a six-man rotation is not outside of the realm of possibility, and I think there's a really easy way to go about it. I think in the next week or two, go out and get one of those guys like Mike Leake or Jeff Samarja or somebody who's being paid an insane amount of money that they're obviously not worth and get that team like they did with Jay Bruce to pay down the contract, take him over here while giving up minimal value and you know get a fifth man to help the five man now. And then at the deadline, maybe go for somebody like Tanner Roark or... Um, Oh, who else do I like? Sonny Gray, if they're willing to give him up. Or, you know, Jamison Tyone. If the Pirates are Ooh. selling on Jamison Tyone, grab mm. that immediately. I mean, there are so many good controllable guys out there. And Roark's not controllable. But there are so many good controllable or less expensive arms out there that would be worth the prospect value that aren't, you know, guys like Mike Miner who are at a premium right now that you're going to have to give up one of your top five prospects for. Um, and I mean... I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that this team makes a playoff run for a long period of time. But, you know, we weren't expecting them to win the World Series this year. I don't, and anybody that was set their hopes way this too is, high. This is, this, is, this is sort of my <laughs> argument as well. It's like, no, this comes down to people's expectations and, and preferences. For me, coming into this season, it was make the, a winning season, first of all. I haven't right. seen one since from the Phillies. I've never seen a winning season since 2012. Right. It's got over 500. Let's get into the playoffs. Get in the playoffs, anything can happen. You know, it, right. it's, a, it's a bit of a lottery. So this season should be a foundation to get in the postseason, get some postseason experience behind these young lads, and then go for it next year. Then let's let's really go and challenge next year. I never saw this year as that that year as that. Right. And anybody attends the World Series year this year. I want it next season because we what we can do is is building this year is not only go for it next year, but the year after. We can build a bit of a dynasty. We've got pieces who could potentially be a, a dynasty package for the Phillies right now. And I think we've got to be smart. We can't be rash. We can't be, 
listen to the fans and go, right, we can't panic buy is what I'm trying to say, and go right. out there, like you said, and get the Baumgartners who could flop. I, I see if we got Bum, I think he would be actually, he'll go the Ariata way. I just have this feeling it would, he, he's, he's, he he's absolutely on. will. And that's the thing. Like, we as a team have our sights set on that rotation help next year. The offense is, like it or not, right now, exactly what we wanted to see. We have a one through five that is absolutely deadly. We have, you know, we had at least a bit of depth in the in the bottom ranks of the lineup, which is now going to be completely fixed next year once we, you know, if you sign a placeholder for Franco, you trade Franco away, you, you keep Cesar as much as I don't exactly want to. You, you know, you have... Mm-hmm. A bunch of guys that uh, Alec Bohm is is rapidly rising through the ranks. I, I mean, just I was going to ask you about. Alex, Alex. Why would why would you want to give away a guy that is absolutely? I mean, I, once again, I was talking to Matt Winkleman. He just gave me an update today about Alec Bohm. He says at third base he looks better than he's ever seen, a lot more fluid. And he said that his swing is as beautiful as he's ever seen. His hips are loosening up. His you know his his motion through the zone is just getting better and better. So. Why on earth would you want to trade away a piece that is looking so promising that just jumped like 15 spots in the prospect mm. rankings? Why would you want to trade that piece away while its value is at, you know, such a productive peak where you could make that work on a major league squad? I mean, do you, do you, that, that's, do you think we'd see him this year? Do you think or would it be let's prime him ready for next year potentially and uh, see him in spring training? There's a possibility, a really small possibility that he could be called up in September. But personally, I think it's going to be a mid-season next year call-up that is going to really change. I think they're going to sign a placeholder at third base, maybe a Ben Zobrist or uh, because, you know, he's excellent utility even at 39 years old. Uh, Ben Zobrist or uh, Todd Frazier, somebody to hold down third base until he's ready. They're not going to rush him. And when he is ready, he will take over at third base. And, you know, he will slot in towards the maybe the bottom end of the lineup. But he hits so well for contact that power doesn't need to be there until maybe, you know, two or three seasons down the line. So and even now, if he were I was just talking to uh, to Pavetta Hype on Twitter as well. If he were to be called up right now, Alec Bohm would do just fine. He would hit maybe 250, 15 home runs. You know, just fine. But, but, but that is already a, a progression and an, exactly. a, an uptake in what we have already. Because Franco's, I think, is, I, I hate to say it, but is, and especially for his age, but I think he's finished. And it's such a shame for a guy, well, with, with the Phillies anyway, it's a shame for a guy who started March and April so strong. And he's a, he's a likable guy. He's, he's an upbeat guy. He's always smiling. Um, but, and I, I want, I'm, I'm behind Franco and I really want him to have a good season, but it's just, he's behind Miller and, and Rodriguez now and Kingery would fit in. You know, do you think Franco, do you think it's the end of Franco for the Phillies at the moment? It definitely feels like right now he's a bit cooked. Um, he's, he's regressing back into those tropes that we didn't want to see from him. He's, you know, he's grounding out in every at bat. He's not launching the ball. He's not, you know, he's not really doing much of anything he's either you know he's 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 back to that thing where he strikes out grounds out or hits a home run and that's not gonna play in a competitive environment and you know he's a guy that can do really well on another squad when given the time when the pressure's off but right now we need someone like him to step up and personally i'm of the opinion that he should be playing every day now i mean 
your offense can't exactly get much worse at this point that, you know, if you play him every day and he starts to figure it out, not only does, you know, he begin to aid the team, but it also raises his trade value. So, you know, if you would, if you're looking for a better option at third base, instead of starting Brad Miller or starting Sean Rodriguez, just let Michael start, especially against righties. Like it's no secret that he can't hit lefties, but against righties, let him start, let him try and Mm. make a difference in, you know, the environment that we're living in right now. Let Scott play center. Let Michael play third. You know, his defense is the one aspect of his game that's been really good. Oh, so. <laughs> I agree with that. When I was uh, when I was over last week against the Reds, I was really impressed with his defense. And he, he's a big guy as well. You know, yeah. he's, he's a bulky guy, but wow, he's, he's got some athleticism in that, in his defense. And I think that's one of his game that's really has improved. Um, but as you just put it there, actually, you're right. Yeah, let's, let's stick him in every day because the inconsistency of the lineup and the constant changes of position does unbalance the team because at the start of the year we had everyone knew their position everybody knew where they were hitting it, there was such a good sink in chemistry and, and injuries have obviously now thrown all that up in the air a little bit right but you're you're right it the the, the franco let's get him in every yeah you're right actually you've you've, you've, you've swung me you swung me on franco <laughs> i mean it it's not really a it's not really optimal i guess you could say but it's mm. Anything helps at this point. I think you want to squeak or squeeze as much value out of these guys as you can right now while you have the ability to do so. Um, and, you know, if that means it's going to end up him in him being traded for next to nothing, like, you know, that happens. If that means mm. he's going to stick with the team as a kind of uh, maybe that stopgap third baseman for, for Alec Bone before he's ready, you know, that happens too. I I just think at this point, you need to, because he's not doing anything off the bench. He's not. He, he can't sit there as a as a utility third base, first base fill in. You know, we have Jay Bruce to step in at first base if we need. We have Scott Kingry to fill in at third. Like, just let him let him play every day. See if you can get him back on track. And, and, it, and it feels like one of these guys that if he got a home run, uh, especially in a big point like a clutch home run, that mm-hmm. would spark. It was the same with the whole lineup. Actually, you just feel that. Something just what needs to happen for all of them to get them going again. A Harper right. bomb, two-run bomb, and that'll be it. Hoskins is always a guy who, at the end of his slumps, he hits a he hits a home run, and then he's back for a good couple of weeks. Right. Segura just needs an extra base hit, you feel, to get him going. JT, the same. You just feel that these players are just, just so close to getting back to where they were with just some clutch hitting somewhere. Um, and the same with Franco. You feel like if he gets that home run, we could see some some uh, upside out of him again. Yeah, I agree. Um, in terms of the catcher position, because Nap, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I, I, everyone's had their say on on Andrew Nap on Twitter, and I will say I do agree with most of it. But in terms of the prospects coming through, who are we likely to see? Is there anybody down there that we could see coming up maybe even this year to, to be a backup catcher? Absolutely. Uh, in September, it's it's typical that uh, a third catcher gets called up to to kind of back up. Uh, so there's a guy in AAA that I've been tweeting about all season. His name is David Grillon. Uh, he is an absolute force. He's, you know, the only thing that was really mm. missing from his game was, was a bat. And now this year he's hitting, I think he's, down to like 306 now but mid okay. mid season in in lehigh valley he was hitting you know in the 350 range he was you know squashing the ball he was absolutely torching it and he is a guy that has an amazing arm he has a brilliant arm almost jorge alfaro level 
um, in that he can he's really good at nabbing base runners, and he's also pretty well versed in framing and defensively he's all right. Um, he's a bigger guy, but he's really he's a solid you know piece behind the plate, and he swings now a pretty hefty bat. So that is definitely one to look out for. But there are also we actually have a wealth of catching talent within the system. Uh, we've got Rafael Marcan at a he's in Lakewood right now, I believe. Yes, he's in Lakewood. Uh, then there's also Rodolfo Duran, who is either in Clearwater or Lakewood. I can't remember at this moment. Uh, and then Logan O'Hop, who just started in Williamsport. They're all guys that had insane seasons last year and are following it up just as well this year, even though, you know, Williamsport just started. But they're yeah. all guys that that are going to really excel through the system, I believe, especially Marchan. He is a catcher, a solid defensive catcher, decent arm, great bat. He makes great contact, and that's really awesome to see from a catcher. So I think that is one of the positions where we actually don't exactly need to worry about, especially with JT holding it down at the forefront of it. Mm. So I, I know people don't like Nap, but there there is better... Uh, better days in in the forest. <laughs> that's for sure. That's that's, that's some positivity because I was I don't I don't know my minor league knowledge isn't great, which is why I asked Ryan about a lot of minor league questions, and uh, and now <laughs> and now yourself because Come on, um, both of those catchers were mentioned on Prospect Watch earlier did, in the season. Alshon yeah. and Gruan. UK yeah. Phillies fans getting the good info there from Alex because he's absolutely <laughs> right. Gruan and Marshan, um, pretty. Pretty promising catching options in the system. And I do think that Gru, and I agree, he's going to play a part this season. Um, yep. There's some power there. And there might be some conf- there might be some uh, sort of K-to-walk issues with him. But as a backup catcher, even as any sort of catcher, actually, in the major league level, it's less of a concern. You've got power like that, and you can yep. catch as well behind the plate. You're going to be very useful. Yep. Brilliant. So, yeah, this is, this is better. I'm feeling so much better about the Phillies already. <laughs> This is exactly what I, exactly what I wanted. So, Alex, this next week is a is a big week for the Phillies. Um, how do you come on? Let's, let's let's keep bringing it up. How do you see this next week going? Honestly, I think a Marlins series is exactly what we need right now. Um, I think if there's going to be any kind of salve that you're going to put on this wound, it's going to come against them. And I know there are so many people that are like, oh, but we've only like taken two out of three this year, like against them. We've never yeah. we haven't swept like. Who who cares? Now's the time, you know. And yeah. we're we're lucky we get to avoid. Um, I think Yamamoto, Jordan Yamamoto, I think is the guy they just called no, it's, up. It's a Sunday, Sunday we get him. Oh, we do. Yeah, oh, it's it's Smith, it. it's Smith. We avoid <laughs> uh, Smith. We avoid. We avoid Yamamoto. Yeah, but Mo- uh, Yamamoto, we get Sunday. We're, we're scheduled to anyway. Which is, I mean, that's fine. He hasn't been torched yet. He's only tossed fourteen innings against the Cardinals. So. Ah, small samples yeah. then. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um, what we're looking at is, is a series where if there's going to be a time to really amp it up, it's going to be this series. And I think we are going to be able to do so. And I honestly, I very much see us. I think we have a 10 game spread now or a 10 day, 10 game uh, spread that w- I would like to see us take eight of the games, eight of the 10 games that we're about to play yep. against the Marlins and the Mets. I think uh, if we can do that, I mean, first of all, that does not only like right the ship immediately, but it shows that, you know, against our division counterparts, because when you look at what we just did, what we just faced, we just faced a red hot Braves offense. And then the Nationals 
two best pitchers on which they have sunk mm-hmm. three hundred fifty million dollars into them. Of course, they're going to pitch well. Like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter what kind of season they're having. They're facing a division rival. They're going to be on top of their game, even if they have a broken nose and a black eye. You know, like that's just who they are as pitchers. And of course, we're going to struggle against them because our offense is struggling and they're catching us at a down moment. It's not like they beat us up. Like it's not like Anthony Rondon hit four home runs in this doubleheader. Well, yeah, that's just that's really true. Yeah, they, you got to look. Yeah, two two nil, and uh, for a red hot Nationals team, like you said, just the two runs and the six runs. But that, that but it was know, it was three one came late on. It was three one going into the ninth inning. That's what I'm saying. Like mm. it's not like they beat us up. We just couldn't produce against their two best pitching talents, and that happens. I think we're just what we're seeing here is sequential, you know, just difficult matchups. And that's going to happen. And that's why everyone is so negative right now. But we're about to face a Marlins team, you know, that is also kind of hot right now. You know, their their pitching staff is really, really good at the current it moment. Yeah. And that, that sucks. But I really think this is going to be the series in which we not only break out the offense, but I think that's going to come against the Mets. I think that's going to come against the Marlins again. I think... This is the time to start going on a hot streak. And honestly, if I'm going to make a bold prediction, and this isn't me just being positive, but I, I, and I don't know who the Braves play, but I really think we can retake the division lead if we sequentially continue to keep up a good offense if we start well in this series. It's the Braves Nationals this weekend. Right. So, Ooh. you know, <laughs> no, no time like the present to get hot. No t- and, it, and it's Chase Hutley night tomorrow night. Right. You know, yes. It's going to be a packed pack park. <laughs> Nola to get back on form. That's the other thing. We haven't been home. Like we we had the the home stretch a bit before we left to go out to Atlanta, but that was that was it. We we really I think what we need is a good home stretch right now where we can get the fans back on our side, get the you know get the negativity out of the air, and really just plow through and get back to that division lead. And I think people will finally start to see that if the offense can wake up in this next series. Absolutely. Because we've got, we've got three against the Marlins, three against the Mets, three against the Marlins, and then we go back to Atlanta uh, for a three-game series, and then New York to finish it off before the All-Star break. Atlanta, who, by the way, we are 4-2 and two against this year. You People yeah. somehow people somehow forget that we swept them in the big, to, to begin the year. I mean, it's not like we were red hot. We just are a really good team. They have a terrible pitching staff and bullpen. They just have a really good offense, and that's what we have to get through. And we were so close to 5-1. and one. Like I said, small margins and a, and a bit of bad luck in that Friday night game right. against the Braves, and it could have been a, a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel, I feel like this was a therapy session, and now I feel, I feel great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Hopefully, hopefully we can beat Strasbourg tonight and uh, maybe see a little bit more of a... Uh... Is, is it Strasbourg tonight? I, it says in the app, so, right? it, it's Fetty. Oh, did they tug Strasbourg? It said Strasbourg yesterday. I haven't looked at all today, so I might be it, wrong. It's, it's constantly changing at the moment. The MLB app, BATAP, it says uh, Pavetta versus Fetty. That would be great. I'd love With. to not see Strasbourg. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's changed. It's Strasbourg tomorrow against the Braves. Wow. According to this, yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I don't mind that at all. I'll take that. And hopefully Pavetta can continue his, uh, his current success. That'd be oh, great. Absolutely. Alex. Thank you so much for coming on, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me. That's been that's been fantastic. And, it, and oh, Ryan, I don't know about you, but 
Yeah, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to tonight's game. I'm staying up. I'm staying up. No, Do I'm, it. I'm that was a real pleasure. And I'll tell you what, I think my favourite bit is the absolute sort of disregard for the Atlanta Braves. Like, their bullpen's oh, yeah. awful. They've got no starting yeah. rotation. Yeah. Austin Riley's rubbish. I mean, I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true. You can look at, I mean, the, if their, their staff ace coming into this year was Mike Fultonevich, who currently sports, I think, a six-plus ERA. So yep. you can't come to me and say our rotation's bad when you look at that route. I mean, come on. And even Keiko's not Keiko's not going to help. Come you on. Are, you come you on. are you are going to get some uh, some talk from Mr. UK Braves when he listens hey, to this. Shout out to UK Braves because he's the man. He's the only Braves fan I think I can ever stand. So that's I'm, true. I'm, I'm you, so here for it. Did you did you see the uh, the live fans commentary we did on last Sunday? I, I did. I was trying to chat, but it wouldn't let me. I was so excited. Yeah, yeah. We had some early glitching problems. It, it settled itself out, but the problem is the game was over by the first inning. I, I couldn't <laughs> get excited. But to be fair, to, to be fair to Bob, and I've met him. I've met him in person too, and I'll see him again next week for London series. He's he's a really good guy. He just he's a great guy. He, he loves to put his he's he knows his stuff as well. He he oh, yeah. does know his stuff, but especially he, about the Phillies, he knows a lot about the Phillies. It's he's not a Phillies, Phillies fan, let's be honest. He's well, a Phillies he's, fan. He's not because it's the Nationals. He knows his stuff about the whole NL East. He's yeah. he's the man that I'll actually go to for the everything about the NL East. He knows yeah, stuff about the Nationals. He's a he's a good guy. I know he, he, he gets a bit of slack on Twitter because he's a bit opinionated, but the guy is great. Yeah, he's one he's of the Braves fans. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's a he's a passionate fan. Yeah, he's he's he really is. I, I messaged him the other day because I really over the last few days, have resorted to like blocking a lot of Braves fans just because they're that type that are going to kick you while you're down. I don't think oh, our yeah. fan base is yeah. even that bad. And it's really, I just don't stand for that because I'm so innately positive, but also just because like that's just mean spirited. Like, this is a game. Baseball's a mm. game. You can't get so angry about, you know, or, or so spiteful about a game. So, you know, I've, I've resorted to kind of blocking Braves fans, but he really has redeemed that. And I know he's from a separate country but you know that doesn't matter <laughs> he's really redeemed that whole side of the of it's just a game for me so that's that's really been helpful he's a great guy and he knows his stuff he's a great follow if you don't follow him already yeah that is uh his it's uk braves their twitter handle is braves in the uk at braves in the uk yeah give him a follow they are the good guys it, it's bob who mainly runs that is also another guy called david hendy who is also knows his stuff and a really good guy. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? They're not the Braves fans aren't all well. The UK Braves fans, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, the UK Braves fans. <laughs> it was the same same as the UK Mets fans. That actually, the UK Mets guys are really, really good people. You know, they take it in the right spirit. Whereas all the Mets fans I've met in the states, even when I was out in Philly, I was at Philly Airport flying mm -hmm. back. And I have I said my Philly T-shirt on, my cap on. The Mets guy goes, "You guys suck!" As he walks past, I'm like. Thanks, dude. Yeah. It's... You better say something nice about Pete Pratt now as well. You can't leave him oh, out. Oh, I can't. Yeah, and the, Mar <laughs> and the Marlins. You better do the whole round. Uh, <laughs> hey, here we go. Look, yeah. I'm not going to say anything, but, but I am from the UK. What? I th Yeah, I, I think I told you that once, but I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm from the Lake District innately, so uh, I, I grew up there from the age of about three months old till I was six years old, so... You know, I think there's something to it with UK baseball fans. I'll say that. Oh, I'm a dual. I'm a dual citizen, so hopefully one day I'll be. Uh, I'll be. I'll be back over that way. 
Oh, and if you do, mate, let us know. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, will, we will sort some out. Guys, that wraps up episode nine of the podcast. This has been a good one. I've really enjoyed this one. Probably my favourite yet. Um, thank you for listening and subscribing and uh, spreading the word because the, the, the numbers have been really fantastic. Uh, we will definitely get Alex back on. Definitely. And uh, not Can't before wait. long either because uh, <laughs> we've got some other great guests coming on that I've lined up. So some exciting times for the podcast. Next week, we've got Marlins UK on to discuss the, uh, the second Marlins series that week and discuss what happens, hopefully discussing a Philly sweep. Uh, um, Ooh, and, so. also, and also <laughs> looking uh, looking ahead to the London series which is next weekend as well and hoping to meet many of you Phillies fans in the UK in London for a festival of baseball but guys that is all Ryan thank you very much buddy pleasure as always Alex thank you very much for coming on cheers good to be here and uh, to everybody out there ring the bell ring Ryan, the bell, ring the bell. <laughs>